The draft is in the books, all 20 picks. It still feels weird to say 20 picks back when I used to do 40 and 50. We're going to continue looking at the players from day two. We're going to start getting into the players from day three. Baseball is soon going to be back to its regular schedule, but for now we are focused on the MLB draft here on Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Three days of the draft are done, and why am I so focused on this? Well, before, by the way, my name is Jeff Ellis. Before, as the host of Locked on Guardians, I was a draft prospect analyst at Scout 24-7. Also did prospects, but was primarily brought in to talk about the draft. Uh, before that, I did that for Indians Baseball slash Indians Prospect Insider. I uh, want to thank you for making Locked on Guardians your first listen today and every day where it is you get podcasts. Let's re-rack it. Let's just go back and talk about the draft. So day one, they add Chase DeLotter, the potential five-tool outfielder who, because he's big and white often and athletic, gets compared to Bradley Zimmer. Uh, there's also some questions, and it's interesting because some people question the swing. Other people think that he's going to have a plus hit tool. Now, the th- interesting thing with DeLotter is, you know, you can go through and you can look at some of the data and you know, I should have up like the advanced data. Uh, there's a Twitter account I already mentioned where he wrote 500 draft uh, uh, draft profiles. Uh, I have I'm pronouncing something wrong. Uh, Tieran, uh, T-I-E-R-A-N-7-1-1. And he's got the Trackman data. <laughs> so like, I like going to his Medium post just because of having that data, the things you don't get to see, the spin rates on hitters, all of that overall data. So if I were to go there and you just look at, you know, the ladder, he has him ninth on his board. He had the highest runs created plus of anyone in Division One, which that's more. Uh, and for people who had issues with the hit tool, he made contact on 78% of swings this year. 11 of the whips came in the first three games. And then, you know, it, now he was facing lesser competition. His chase rate was under 15%. And one of the highest Z swing rates in the country at 77%. Uh, showed a lot of that still in the Cape. And so, yeah. So for all the, the issues people have with the swing, he... You know, the advanced data here, the data that not everyone has, I don't have access to it. That's why I've, I've been going and using uh, Tyron's uh, information shows that the hit tool isn't the concern that people sometimes make it out to be, that it could be a potential plus trait. And, you know, if I were just do the, the basic stuff and go bring up his bat pip, that would also reflect that. And remember, bat pip, if you're like, hey, I thought that's about luck. It is luck at the major league level. Lower minors in college, bat pip is a tool that actually predicts uh, future success of a hitter. So it is important things to know in that regard. So DeLotter is a, and for the comparison to Zimmer, Zimmer was average when they put a wood bat in his hand and put him in the cape facing elite competition. DeLotter was maybe the best hitter when that same situation happened. So very, very different. 
After that, Justin Campbell, the large Oklahoma State pitcher. Oklahoma State had eight pitchers drafted, uh, and none of them showed steps forward through the course of this year. It was one of the things I was definitely looking out for. The Angels drafted Bryce Osmond in like the 13th round. He was a guy who could have been drafted as a shortstop or a pitcher out of high school, hard commit, went to Oklahoma, cost himself a lot of money. He would have been a seven-figure kid if he had not had that hard commit. He is going in the 13th round and is likely to get 100000 Like That is, a, I mean, a seven-figure loss, easy. Uh, you got to be aware of what you can get. Get it while you can, and then know where you're going. Like, it's one thing if you're going to the programs that are known for pitcher development, but there's a lot. Most programs aren't. If you're a high school pitcher in particular, take the money and run. Nate Savino, similar story in this draft, who went to Virginia. It's for you, Aaron. I mean, you can look at Savino and Chris Newell. Those are two guys whose stock took major hits going to UVA. Uh, thanks to the lack of progression. Is that on the college? No. Sometimes players just don't progress. But there are a lot of programs where, like I said, you look at Oklahoma State and someone will say, man, they had a lot of pitchers drafted. That's great. I'm like, a lot of pitchers drafted later than where they're supposed to be. Victor Medeiros was supposed to be higher. Uh, you know, like I said, Bryce Osman was supposed to be higher. Mitchell Stone was supposed to be higher. He didn't even get drafted. Uh, the, the, just the progression wasn't there. I mean, Campbell is the same guy he was at the start of the year, and that's fine. That got him drafted where he got drafted, but you're kind of hoping for a little more growth. So they took Campbell, and they took Parker Messick, who uh, is almost like a troll move because a lot of the negative reports on DeLotta come from when he got destroyed by Messick and Hubart, who are both really funky lefties. Uh, lefties always have problems facing other lefties, and it's such a small sample size that really got blown out of proportion. Yeah, he looked bad against them. Everyone did. Uh, Messick needs to get a velocity jump. The Guardians have been good at that to make him more of a potential starter. Uh Good four-pitch mix, but the fastball is just lacking. Day three, Joe Lampy, probably a fourth outfield type. Nate Furman, Guy Linscom Jr., uh, under, well, Furman, undersized utility guy. Both of them run, or both of them, you know, plus speed to plus plus speed. Uh, contact skills, walk rates, you know, your, your typical leadoff types. We did not previously, so let's let's do this here. Talk about Dylan DeLucia, who was one of the folk heroes this past year. Um, he won most outstanding player honors at the College World Series as the Rebels won, as Ole Miss won their first national championship. He permitted one run at 16 and two-thirds innings in Omaha, uh, including a huge four-hit shutout against Arkansas. He is, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's not a dominator. Now, what is interesting is... One of those things to learn about, and I am still in the process of learning about the importance of this, honestly, myself, is uh, low release points. And the Guardians like a low release point. And you know, a low release point is something that not everyone talks about, even though we probably all should be, because it seems to be harder. The lower your release point, the harder it is for hitters to pick it up. So on a very basic level, a low release point is probably going to lead to more success for a pitcher. Now, others will argue that, like, Cooper Gerpe, you know, his release point, and, I mean, it's part of my thought, is, like, no one's had his release point and been a starter. It's a reliever release point. But others are going to say that, no, this is just the beginning of a change. It's the beginning of a shift in how we view these players and how they view themselves. And 
you know, that's something to be seen. But uh, this is a first-year at Ole Miss. He had been at Northwest Florida State uh, in the JUCO ranks his first two years. This past year, 9.91 strikeout per nine. Not the highest number, but still decent. Very close to that 10, which is kind of where we look. Walks per nine, two, four, five. Very typical guardian. And what you're going to see, it's interesting, is every time I talk about college pitchers, most of them home run rates over one. Now, traditionally in the past, I would have looked at that as a warning sign. I'm not anymore. Why am I not? Because it shows a fly ball rate. It shows a tendency to induce uh, balls in the air. And balls in the air do less damage than balls on the ground. Yes, home runs stink, but you know, 9 out of 10 times with balls in the air, uh, it's going to be a positive outcome for the pitcher. If the ball is on the ground, it's probably like 5 out of 10 times that it's a positive outcome for the pitcher. So even though it leads to a greater negativity when it goes wrong, it goes wrong at such a lower rate that you're looking at that. And the Guardians drafted a bunch of, uh, frankly, home run uh, prone pitchers. And their own staff has many of them. And it is not a net negative. This is clearly something that they see. Uh, I wish I could give you you know, more information on that. We talked a little bit about it. You can go back and listen to my discussion with uh, Hunter Gaddis, where we, you know, I bring up my idea on this. And he's like, well, not in that many words. But yeah, that, you know, the idea behind it is sound and that you know the ball falls on the ground are going to lead to better pitcher outcomes so what is what does the advanced stats say on the uh the lucia well i think i have to go down to his you know he's not a a top 100 guy on on his board so that kind of swings out and you have to go that the the one thing i will say uh all the great information all the advanced data i wish i had uh, his, we would say in the parlance, it's blue, may not be safe for work if you follow his stuff. But again, the uh, the amount of information and then just the stuff that I, I don't have access to. I wish I had access to all the release points and the spin rate and the, uh, you know, it's like the, the, the data that just isn't there, whiff rates, things like that we don't see. Um, yeah, and in, in the knock here is that he... You know, he he didn't have a high whiff rate. He's the pitches come from uh, a 5.02 release height, which is lower than every MLB starter in the last two years. The fastball is the biggest benefactor. The fastball has a 15.1 inch uh, vertical benefit, which is more than enough for the high fastball to play given his low release point. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. He basically in this piece for right or wrong and what he wrote also. And again, you're like, well, why aren't you doing <laughs> your research here? I don't have this data. I wish I had the data that he has. I just, I don't. Uh, but he does a lot of comparisons between uh, Dylan DeLucia, that low release point, and kind of a, a, a profile to Joe Ryan of the Twins. So for uh, just kind of an interesting, deep, advanced stat case, my co-host is here saying I should do my own analysis, which, I, which is what I always feel like. But I, I think that it's important to pull out something like this because it's literally you know, not available everywhere. It's, it's, I can't go to baseball cube or baseball reference. It's not in most of the reports. I think I talk about the fact he's got a low, you know, a release point where it is and what it does. Most people say reliever when they look at, uh, DeLucia, but here's someone who had the full set of trackman data and pulls out reasons why you think he should be a starter. We're going to take a break. Next segment, I'm going to mention everyone who was taken on day three. We're going to do kind of our rapid fire thing and we're going to come back then in segment three, talk about the two high school players that took all of the monies 
uh, in day two. That's why there isn't much to spend. As well as Austin Peterson, who might have been my favorite pick on day two. All on today's Locked On Guardians. Blue Niles got you covered. Okay, this is... Uh, I, I was on the Locked On Astros show, and I, I heard there, you know, how it talked about Blue Nile. Uh, and, you know, they're right. Here's the thing about Blue Nile. They are here to support you in the process. Jewelry is expensive. Blue Nile is one of the, you know, even my co-host over here wants to take part in this ad read. They're here to support you throughout the whole process. When it comes to wedding jewelry, fine jewelry, you know, they are, they're trying to advertise to an upper, cl- upper crust clientele. What's, what's the exact phrasing in here? Look, the original online jeweler to high-income adults, primarily males. Uh, I normally hadn't been saying that, but the Houston guys were. So, hey, if that is what you are, uh, they're looking to try to make your life easier. Right? Jewelry is hard. I would never buy jewelry without someone helping me and blue nile is here to help and support you with 24-hour support they are going to sit there and make sure that whatever you get is exactly what you need you're not going to buy something for the person you care about and it's going to be uh something they're not going to enjoy because you have that additional support don't don't buy jewelry (laughs) you know don't buy the jewelry that's the same as everything else don't buy jewelry that's like part of a chain you know, unless it's like a chain piece of jewelry, you know what I mean? Buy something original, buy something that is one of a kind, and make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on right now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging. We won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free. Find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. So we really haven't talked about <laughs> the big players here on day two. Let's well, that's segment three. What I'm saying. Let's let's talk about the day three. So day three started with uh, Magnus Ellerts, maybe the best name in the Guardian draft from Florida Southwestern State College. Probably a reliever, huge dude, good velocity, nice slider. Uh, you know, let's see, he's a junior age. He's not like super young, but an interesting player. And <laughs> he's you know. MLB has little notes down the side for some guys, little arrows you click, and it'll only player on day three with notes. It's not to say these other guys aren't known. Jack Jass, Jasic was one of three South Florida pitchers uh, to get drafted. That's uh, you know Shane McClanahan's former school. He's been hurt. I bel- I don't know if it's ever formally confirmed that he had he's going to need Tommy John, but it was an, uh, or even. What is going to occur? You know, he got hurt at the end of March, hasn't pitched since. Undisclosed upper body extremity. He's going to sign here. Probably going to have surgery. Not going to see him this year. Tyrese Turner might be my favorite pick right here from USC. Uh, Plus, plus runner. All first team defensive shortstop in the Pac-12. Good ball to bat skills. I know. <laughs> it said similar things about a dozen guys in this draft class, which is amazing because there's only 21 picks. But good athlete, good performance, you know, can run. And USC has been honestly poor at development. Uh, you don't hear a lot about USC in the baseball draft for a reason. It's just, I mean, I know I'm being a jerk when I say things like that, but like, who are the great USC players around the league right now? I can, I can wait. It. We just don't see. We see guys go there, and I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend. 
let's just let's just leave it at that. You know, Kyle Hurt comes to mind. And, uh, but yeah, it's uh, I'm trying to remember the catcher that I, there was a catcher I really liked who went to the Cardinals, Jeremy. Don't have it. Uh, Press Kavanaugh at UNC Greensboro. Probably a backup type. Does a little bit of everything. Uh, solid performer. Uh, athletic traits are average to below, but a solid performer at Greensboro. And I feel like that's a program they go back to. Adam Talak from Arizona State. That is his. He's a Canadian kid who that was his fourth stop. He has bounced around as a fourth-year senior. Uh, he's had a new coach every single year because he's moved to a new program every single year. He has missed a ton of bats, but he has walked a ton of guys. And you're hoping you can coach him up. There's something maybe they can see there with him. Uh, left-handed pitcher. Logan, Log- L-O-G-U-N, Logan Clark. Uh, here's another guy who goes against type, already 19. We know that is something the Guardians had typically avoided. Now they have two 19-year-old kids in this class on top of you know the multiple draft-eligible sophomores. Very much going against type with this class. Uh, right-handed, batted, batted, right-handed bat catcher, good pop times, some power in there. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to hit for enough to access it, but with his build, being a right-handed bat, being a catcher, I think Logan Clark has a chance to be a bit of a folk hero in the system. Angel Zarte, a uh, 50-year senior out of UNC. So, like the stat that stood out was he had 100 hits this past season, and it had been a very long time since a UNC player did that. He's been a centerpiece in that system for a while. Probably, you know, more of uh, organizational depth in the outfield uh, for him there. Zach Jacobs, uh, USC Riverside. I should pull up my Taylor Blake Ward tree. Uh, tweeted to me about him he's a san dimas is an area i often see uh reports on he's the san dimas high school's all-time winningest pitcher only pitched eight innings this year could not find confirmation of injury uh let me pause to get the exact scouting report from taylor quote on jacobs was uh upper 80s fastball real spin for a breaking ball uh, he also had some decent data i believe in the uh the cape cod surprising uh, but yeah, real weird. There was eight in the third innings, and I could not sign anything directly on him. Uh, what occurred in the 18th, 19th? Gio Rivera Jr. You want to know who's the hardest player to sign? It's right there. He is committed to go to Oregon. He was an interesting player at high school, mid 90s velocity, some really good whip on his arm, uh, has a lot of potential. That's the hardest one. And then Sean Rapp, the 20th rounder, is a very experienced college pitcher. Potential plus slider, average fastball. He's thrown a lot of innings, but he's a lefty and could be a fast-moving left-handed pitching candidate in the Guardian system. So, yeah, that is a day three in a nutshell. We're, of course, going to get into these guys, all of these guys. We'll get some time in the sun. Uh, but first, we're going to take our break, come back, talk about the two big-name high school guys and then the big guy from Connecticut uh, from day two of this year's MLB draft. How much do you believe in the Cleveland Guardians? Because right now, Bet Online has them plus 10,000 to win the World Series. If you think they got a chance, you have a chance to make yourself some money by checking out our good friends over at Bet Online. Uh, if you're curious to win the pennant, plus 5,000 to win their division, plus 390. So, just some things to keep in the back of your mind. How about just to make the playoffs? 
Uh, Cleveland Guardians make the playoffs. Uh, no is a minus 275. Plus is a plus 215. Uh, if this is all things that you are interested in, go check out Bet Online. I find it fascinating. I'm trying to learn more because this, you know, the, the gambling side of the game has so much more information and is taking in more information and is a great resource uh, whether or not you gamble or not. But go check out our friends over at Bet Online. It's where I go to get odds to try to find out more. Again, if you're a sports fan, it is a resource to know, to do, track, and to follow. Check out Bet Online today. So let's start with the birthday boy. That's right. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, I don't think he, <laughs> he necessarily is, but happy birthday to Jordan Humphreys, uh, who the Guardians drafted. He was seventeen year old, a 17-year-old uh, kid on draft day. Now that we have hit the 20th, he is an 18-year-old adult uh, from uh, Fuquay Varina High School in uh, North Carolina, committed to Campbell University. The so looking through stuff on him, it's interesting because like MLB lists four pitches, but none mention his curveball. I go and I look at Tyrion's advanced data, and it tells us the curveball is a 3,000 RPM pitch. What does this tell me? Uh, one of the things I know well. I am not great at identifying pitches, and the more time I spend around people, uh, you know, at games scouting, I, I feel like don't feel bad <laughs> if you can't identify what a pitch is. A lot of people really can't. A lot of people mislabel things all the time, uh, and we'll see it even like at that level of like a fan graphs or something because the software that is made to label pitches will get it wrong. So, uh, but a three thousand you know rotations per minute—that's like what you want to see. Over three thousand is a really good sign in terms of movement, you know, extra velocity, just hardness to hit. Uh, fastball is low to mid nineties. You know, he's he's not a big kid. He's what six one two hundred. Again, he's a left-handed pitcher, uh, young for his class. You're, you're betting on traits, right? When a player is, and he's not the youngest player in this class, that's for sure, but you're looking at the traits. You're saying he's got a workable fastball. He's got a good fastball for a lefty. He's a good athlete. Uh, he's shown the capability to throw some off-speed pitches, and then the Guardians will work with him and get that to play up. They took him the eighth round, the slot value. So let's do a quick re-rack on how this works. Slot values. If I were to, if the Guardians had drafted me at 16 and offered me a dollar and I took it, then that would mean that the other 393999999 dollars they'd have free to spend on any other player. That's why I say that often uh, an undersought player is like a trade down because you're moving that money down to get a player or multiple players. It's like Texas, okay? They decided they didn't like anyone in the top three. So they use that extra money, they traded down, as it were, and got, listen, some people thought Kumar Rocker was a top 20 talent, wasn't for me. Some people thought Brock Porter was a top 10 talent, wasn't for me. But instead of getting the number three overall talent on some boards, they got 10 and 25. Uh, Compare that to like a football draft, and you see what I mean. So the slot there is, I believe, 179,000 where they drafted him. That's not going to get it done. So... What happens though is, you know, I the lotter's not getting full slot value. He's probably under slot. I don't think they're giving him three point nine. Justin Campbell, he might be near slot. Uh, Parker Messick, I think he is probably below slot. Joe Lampy, I think is also should be below slot. And then I feel like Furman and Lincecum both have a chance to be below slot. So a lot of that monetary savings is going to go into Santos. It's going to who was in the seventh round. Humphreys in the eighth. 
and then Zach, uh, Jacob Zibian, who we'll talk about later on in the 10th. This is an organization that is struggled with left-handed pitcher development. Uh, it's good to add more pieces in, see what can they can uh, do. Again, he's a lefty who's mid-90s. That's not always an easy thing to find. Good athlete. All of these kids here is pointing up. It's always weird to say that. But you're betting more on traits than anything else. Good spin rate data. And, you know, not everyone even has all the high school spin rate data. Like, if we could see that, we'd really have a lot more uh, information guiding us when it comes to these decisions. Let's go to Jacob Zibin. Jacob Zibin is 17 years old and will be for the rest of 2022. He's not going to turn 18 till January of 2023. He is one of the youngest players in this class. He might be the youngest player in this class. He was rumored to be a seven-figure bonus guy. Uh, his uh, pick value is 151000 So if the Guardians saved a lot of money, this is where a good chunk is going to go. Uh, Mid-90s fastball, really good athlete. Again, you know, key there. The basically comes down to with him is uh, yeah, he's this kid who just, He's a kid. <laughs> I know they're all kids, but yeah, you know he's six foot four, two eighteen right now. There's no current plus pitch. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he's a like I said. I think I mentioned before, a Canadian kid who moved on and went to the TNX Tel Academy in Florida. Throws multiple secondary pitches. Fastball can be in the mid nineties, and just you're kind of again much like with Humphreys, you're betting on him developing you're betting on you know he's going to add more those pitchers are going to improve they're blank slate types listen they can throw those pitches i don't know if any of them are plus i don't know if any of them are gonna be plus my co-host here is mad at me and wants to go to bed uh but you're hoping that these players are going to be able to develop now you never know it's always a big risk but they have the ability to be more sometimes you see guys and there isn't a lot of ways they can improve, get stronger, uh, you know, add more velocity. These are two players that you're betting on just, I mean, with their youth and where they are. They have already shown good present velocity and spin. And with proper development, you're thinking, okay, they're going to add more. That's a reasonable belief that they could add velocity. They could add movement. They could add refinement to make them all the more deadly. And that is why you draft those two players. Uh, who are, like I said, in some ways, it's, you know, fresh clay when you're getting a pair of 17-year-olds. Though, now 18-year-old, again, happy birthday to Jordan Humphreys. And then Austin Peterson. So Austin Peterson didn't make Tyron's top 500, so I don't have any advanced data. What I do have is a guy who started at Purdue, went to Wabash Valley, and then ended up at Connecticut, and this year was one of the most dominating pitchers in all of college baseball. 147 strikeouts and 110 innings to just 25 walks. That comes out to 11.99 strikeouts per nine and 2.04 walks per nine. Oh, yeah, home run rate over one. Just, you know, again, consistency. Very consistent in this class. Uh, He is missing bats. He is not hurting himself. He's not putting guys on base. Uh, In terms of, you know, the best strikeout rate in the Guardians class is Parker Mazik, who was 11th in K rate in all of baseball. But if we look at something like uh, just pure strikeouts, like who had the most strikeouts this season, uh, it's kind of a funny one just in general to go pull that out. 
Uh, one was Jurpe. Two, Drew Thorpe, who I thought would be a target for the Guardians. He ended up Boston, maybe. Peterson, third. Two behind Thorpe and 14 behind Jurpe. Messick, five. Justin Campbell, seven. Just give you an idea who's in there. There are a few other players that I thought could stack up. But yeah, those are some of the top guys. Just comes to plain simply missing. Uh, they make. They missed a lot of bats, and he was successful in that. If I go instead jump over to uh, strikes-to-walk ratio in all of NCAA baseball last year. Now, again, up and down talent for uh, UConn as part of the Big East. Uh, we should probably admit that. You know, It's not exactly a dynamic conference anymore when it comes to baseball. But in terms of K-to-walk ratio, Mezik at 11 uh, let's see, where is Peterson at 27? And Campbell is in here too, I know. Like all three of them, Campbell at 35. So these three arms were all kind of in the same area in terms of just what they were able to accomplish. Mezik did it at the highest level, then Campbell, then Peterson. Peterson's a big kid. He's six foot six. You know, there's a lot of positive traits there. Obviously, going where he is, I'm betting he gets almost full slot. Uh, Interesting player, high performer. Let's see, do we have a birthday on him? Uh, we do not, so I can't tell you like if he was older. I can just tell you, you know that he has had four years. Like twenty nineteen was his first college season, so he's kind of yeah, he's a junior, but he's senior aged because of you know that twenty twenty COVID year. Still, we're still feeling the effects just in some of how these players. Uh, timelines are so he's he might even be a little bit under slot but he's been a high level performer and it's a type of high level performer with high strikeout low walk that the guardians have found a very uh have been very successful with you know, he fits that mold of savale of plesak of bieber that is the mold that they have been the most successful with the high school arms are interesting they're very far away peterson he like i said statistically Slots in with the first and second rounder in this year's class. That is all of day one and day two. <laughs> Tomorrow's podcast, we got some day three players to talk about. We're going to dive into this group, really get a chance to get to know uh, everyone that is going to be uh, you know, future high-end prospects for the Cleveland Guardians. Well, maybe not high-end, but just at least solid future prospects. We don't get any games till Friday, so we are going to kind of stay... Wednesday, Thursday, this first part of this week is all draft. And then, you know, Friday show is before the Friday series. So we're going to kind of talk about what's coming up specifically because, again, uh, oh, I totally missed something. So uh, just with everything else going on. So before I end it, I'll talk about what I missed here. Uh, I'm going to, but just to finish my initial thought, I'm doing traveling to see family. I've been back to Ohio with my own uh, kiddos in over a year. So um, I apologize, but we have already, you know, had many a show, and I hope people uh, are understanding that occasionally we all need breaks. Uh, in terms of the roster move, Carlos Vargas was activated. A new was around the 17th. He'd need to be activated. So to activate him from uh, the 60-day disabled list, he's option of the minors. He's not brought up to the roster. Tanner Tully designated for assignment again, second time this year. Uh, not an unsurprising move. Uh, looking at Cleveland's 40-man situation, 
you know, that now means the only player on the 60-man disabled list is Cody Morris. When he gets activated, they're going to have to pull the plug on someone. I don't know if it's Kirk McCarty. I don't know if it's Anthony Castro. But just at who they have at the various levels, I can't see it being one of the hitters. So it's going to have to be a pitcher. Is it Brian Shaw? Has has the, the bell rung for he? No, Tito's still the manager. But, uh, yeah, we at least had one of those 16. Hopefully everyone's going to stay healthy from this point out. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Guardians podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review. Download daily. It helps. I had someone ask about this. Listening is fine. That is, you know, if you're listening every day, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I do mean that. Uh, if you want to do help, you don't have to watch me on YouTube. I mean, it's, it's great if you do. And I, I respond to every comment, maybe not always timely, but within, uh, within two to three days, I think that's pretty tom- timely, uh, just hitting the subscribe button. And then it is, that's, that's the big thing right now. Can worry about other stuff later, but every subscriber helps. So if you just go click and subscribe on YouTube, but still listen, you're doing me a solid in multiple ways. Um, and then you know, as always, hit me up with questions on Twitter that are specific mailbag questions. Uh, I haven't done a mailbag in a while. Uh, just any questions or ideas. Sometimes, you know, I always talk about Alton uh, giving me that great idea for the failed uh, prospect series. And, you know, sometimes we have the <laughs> the days where rain out occur. Many of them now. Uh, so I'm always looking for more contact. Content. More contact, no? More content. But, uh Again, thank you to everyone who uh, listens, subscribes, does your part. Let's break the top 10. We were so close, just so close. The top 10 is only based on um, downloads. So just download daily and you'll help me. Maybe we can get in. Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis, been the Locked On Guardians podcast for Wednesday. Happy birthday, Jordan Humphreys, and go, go, Guardians, go.